Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week, it's episode 18 already. It's it's almost May. That's fucked. April 30th through May 6th is the days that we will be covering. Seven days, a week if you will, in 1998. Diving in, April 30th, sex video producers agreed to require condom use. Prompted by reports that at least three sex film actresses have tested positive for HIV since the beginning of the year. It's April 30th, by Jesus. the way. Many of the largest sex video producers have formed a pact to require the use of condoms on screen, a move that the industry has avoided since the AIDS outbreak began. Better late than never. The decision came at a hastily called summit of industry executives earlier this month as rumors swirled and actors and actresses threatened to walk off sets. Several of the biggest studios in the business, including Virid Video, Wicked Pictures, VCA, and distributor GVA, which together account for a sizable percentage of all U.S. sex films, agreed to the change. You know what's super funny about this? A lot. Basically everything about, everything except like the AIDS part. Well, the distributor GVA Mm -hmm. is still in the market. And I know this because we mailed them a, we mailed them a copy of Cockadoodles last week. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. You know what I think this is funny for? Yeah. It references the summit of industry executives, which generally when you hear a sentence like that, you think, you know, something pretty pretty high class and pretty fancy. No, this but is, this is a like bunch a of weird Inn. sleazy dudes. Yeah, yeah, probably like at most they rented the like the shitty conference center at the holiday and not even like the big room. Good stuff. And like I just I, I imagine a lot of like undone shirts and greased oh, up hair. Chest hair. Ugh. Gold yeah. chains. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to happy news. You haven't read this title yet, have oh, you? Oh fuck. So, May 1st, a man kills himself as City Watches in one of the most graphic and bizarre events to ever (laughs) unfold on a Los Angeles freeway. (laughs) Fuck me. A man with a gripe against HMOs parked his pickup truck on a busy freeway intersection Thursday afternoon, set it ablaze, and then committed suicide on live television, creating a nightmarish miles-long traffic jam during the evening commute. Good. Good. Traffic. Fuck. The incident first appeared to be yet another of Southern California's now infamous freeway chases, but as the situation developed, it soon became apparent uh, that this was an anomalous, quintessentially Los Angeles story because so many uh, disparate elements of life here had suddenly coalesced on that smoking freeway overpass. That's real fucked up. Uh, apparently the guy unle- like unveiled a banner saying like HMOs are in it for the money and then had a Molotov cocktail in his pickup truck. Actually, yeah, he lit a Molotov in his pickup truck, burst into flames, ran out, took off his clothing because he was on fire, and then proceeded to go back to his truck, take a shotgun, and finish things off. Grim. Very grim. Now, actually, moving on to kind of lighter news, not really. Later. May May 2nd. No one dies, no one has AIDS. That's true. May 2nd. Studio sues over a Star Trek book. A Star Trek fan says that Paramount Pictures Corporation, which owns the copyright to the series and spinoffs, is behaving more like the evil Borg than the good guy captains, Jean-Luc Picard and James Kirk. The fan... Samuel Raymer, accused Paramount yesterday of trying to prohibit him from using the Star Trek copyright after ignoring its use for years by many others. The case is set to go to court on Tuesday when lawyers for Paramount will ask a judge to stop sales of the book, 
The Joy of Trek, How to Enhance Your Relationship with a Star Trek Fan, Yeah, <laughs> published in 1997 by Carroll Publishing Group of Secaucus, New Jersey. The suit asks for $22 million for all 220 television episodes mentioned in the book. Now, is that $22 million total or like $22 million times 220? I think $22 million total. Okay, because um, I mean, both are fucked, but... Pretty yeah. silly. All right. May 3rd, 3,000 students clash with police. Having a hell of a week so far. Oh, yeah. May 4th is looking all right. Anyway, police fired tear gas into a crowd of about 3,000 Michigan State University students who lit a fire in East Lansing's downtown to protest a ban on drinking at a favorite party spot. Legit. The demonstrators were angry that the university decided to put a stop to drinking at Munfield, a campus spot where fans hold parties before and after football games. Just after midnight, the protesters lit a fire in a busy intersection. Police fired tear gas into the crowd so firefighters could put out the blaze, police said. You went to Western, right? Yeah, yeah, I've done shit like this. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we we didn't light any fires, but we definitely oh, did not drink. When you it. were there, yeah, that's true. Or was that? Uh... No, that was a Fanshawe. Okay, that was yeah. Fanshawe. Yeah, that was, that was the college in the university town where I went to school. Um, my recommendation to you though is if you have the opportunity to attend a tailgate at a football game, I highly recommend it. There's a picture of me drinking a beer and a coffee in the parking lot of the Bills game at 9:45 in the morning. And that was not my first beer that day. Was it your first coffee, though? Yes. Okay. So, uh... Good day. Good stuff. Speaking of good days, May 4th, Gates to sell 1 million shares of Microsoft. William H. Gates, chairman of the Microsoft Corporation, has filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission to sell a million shares of his software company's stock. The shares represent a small fraction, about two-tenths of 1%, of the approximately 538 million shares, or 22% of the company which Mr. Gates owns. He sold 4 million shares in February. Now, for those of us who have completed fifth grade math, two-tenths can also be represented as one-fifth. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that is really weird. Um, Maybe they don't like uh, reducing their fractions, or maybe, like, maybe they did and the editor was like, Let's bump this up a notch. Make it sound more interesting. Yeah, two-tenths. Hmm. That's my takeaway from the article. That's all we got. All right. Uh, May 5th. We've got some good VHS releases today. Mouse Hunt. Remember Mouse Hunt? Sorry, I'm laughing because I looked at the next day. You gotta get... Okay, get through this because I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Fuck. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Mouse Hunt came out today. Gattaca and Mouse Alien Hunt. Resurrection. Yeah. Mouse Hunt's great. Uh, I like Gattaca. Classic Nathan Lane. Mouse yeah. Hunt again. Oh, yeah. yeah, Gattaca's okay. Gattaca, not Nathan Lane's greatest work, mostly because he's Jude Law, but Jude Law's good in this. Yeah. Uh, quick article today. Proposed license tag widens Florida's chasm on abortion. This is out of Miami. Does uh, the childlike drawing of two smiling tots and the words choose life turn a license plate into a provocative bumper sticker? Uh, can specialty plates saying legalize marijuana or prayer in school be far behind? Those are the questions on the mind of Governor Lawton Childs this week as he considers signing a bill that opponents argue would make Florida the first state to let drivers express their anti-abortion sentiments on a license plate. Lovely. I just wish we had the Star Trek plates back in Ontario. Speaking of good news, May 6th, Denny's apologizes to black students. How many times this is are we going to get different stories about Denny's being yeah. racist? Like, stuck in the 90s, we've covered a lot of, yeah, we've covered a lot of articles at this point, 
And this is at least the second, if not third or fourth I think occurrence. It's, I think it's third mention now. Of Denny's having some kind of incident with uh, with minorities. Oh my God. Four years after settling a discrimination lawsuit for $46 million, Denny's apologized to 40 black sixth graders and their chaperones who said they were denied service at a Florida restaurant. The group from Baltimore was on a field trip to Disney World when they stopped at the Denny's in Oak... Okochi? Sure. Okochi, Florida? Okoe? I legit do not know what... O-C-O-E-E. Okoe. Any Florida people out there? They stopped at a Denny's in Florida somewhere. Yeah. They said they were not greeted or seated. After seating themselves, they said they waited 20 minutes before they received some menus and left an hour later without being served while white customers who entered later were helped. Quote, we apologize to the students and their chaperones who did not feel welcome during their visit, said John A. Romandetti, president of the South Carolina-based company. I don't know if, I mean, maybe maybe some of you, maybe a lot of you haven't been to Florida. I have. Have you been truly to Florida or have you just been to like stuff? Oh no, I've, stuff? I've been to Florida. Like okay. I've been to Orlando. I, I've been to Walt Disney World a handful yeah, of times. But I mean, like, I feel like that is kind of a separate entity to Florida. Oh no, like we, we've been to legit Florida. Like okay. we, we took a day, we went out to Tampa Bay. I've mm-hmm. like, we stayed in Orlando, like off property. Yeah. One thing I can tell you about Florida is that there are a great many black people. This is not like they went to, I don't know, Saskatchewan, a Canadian province full of pasty white people, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty safe assumption. I think but like, so. The, the Florida is a place where when you see a black person, you don't think, how did he get here? Yeah, <laughs> what it's- What the uh... fuck is this? Speaking of Orlando, Florida, I talked to a guy named Orlando from Florida today. In Florida. That is weird. Yeah, he's one of the, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a tech that I had to call. Oh, yeah. neat. Nice guy. All right, let's move on to movies and music. In the box office at the number one spot, he got game. But that doesn't matter because at number two, in what I think is his quintessential emotionless role, City of Angels, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage has the acting depth of a loaf of wonder bread and this movie is perfect for him because he plays an angel who is as written supposed to have no emotion it's like the part it's like the part was made for him it is everything for nicholas cage is on fire in the late 90s and i don't know why i don't get it either i love him but he's the worst yeah uh what else good is on here les mis titanic yeah this is uh liam neeson's in this les mis this is a purely book adaptation yep not a musical adaptation uh lost in space is clinging on here oh nice as good as it gets oh maybe this is is the lost in space with uh joey right yeah yeah. uh, matt leblanc matt leblanc yeah it wasn't very good I never saw it. Um, That's okay. Just to keep it that way, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe we just drop that there. Whoa, Mel- Mouse Hunt's still hanging on after 20 oh, weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, it Mouse is doing Hunt. the dual uh, the dual VHS release and still clinging on in 87 theaters. Putting in work. Yeah. I guess let's move into the Billboard Top 200. We're going to talk about albums. Let's just skim this real quick because Obviously. albums don't change too much. Titanic's in the number one spot. Yeah. Um, one step at a time, George Strait, the City of Angels soundtrack is on here. No Nicolas Cage to be found on there, as far as I know. No, he doesn't have any, he doesn't rap? No, I don't think so. Uh, let's talk about Love, Celine Dion. Let's actually talk about Savage Garden, the self-titled Savage Garden album at number five. Oh, number six. Also self-titled, The Backstreet Boys. Uh, this has got to be rocking things like Everybody and... 
Um, Those other ones they sing? Yeah, the other ones. <laughs> um, Faith by Faith Hills at seven. Almost, almost self-titled. Yep. Walking into Clarksdale, Jimmy Page at eight. Love Always by Casey and presumably JoJo at number nine. And let's finish it off with uh, Shania Twain with Come On Over at ten. Ugh. Come on over, baby. Ooh, let's actually finish off Big Willie style at number 17. Ooh, as getting you ready all know, for the millennium. As you all know, Chris and I do consider ourselves millennials. As many of you should, too. Yes. Um, I'm proud to be a millennial, and I will never forget celebrating the millennium. We should go to Miami sometime. Yeah, I was thinking about that all, uh, all for both of those Florida articles. <laughs> like that, you know. Um, something in the city and the heat is on. And all those other words in the song. All right, we're going to do a brief channel surfing this week. May 1998. This was a very important month for TV. Many iconic and long-lasting shows of the 90s ended this month, including Seinfeld, which ended on May 14th, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman on May 16th. Great show. And Murphy Brown which ended on May 18th. Also, Team Knight Rider ended somewhere in there, but I don't exactly think that counts as iconic. None of that matters, though, because this week we lost a show so iconic and so loved that neither of us remember its existence, and we're willing to bet most of you don't remember it either. We are talking, of course, about Nick Frino, licensed teacher. I haven't a goddamn clue what this is. No clue. This was one of the directors on this was Scott Baio. Oh, gross. Yeah, uh, wow. This was a WB sitcom about a struggling actor who becomes a long-term substitute teacher and all the trials and tribulations and hilarity that ensues with that. Uh, really the only reason I think we want to mention this, besides the fact that it seems just utterly forgettable, is we want to know if anyone out there remembers this show, because hit us up if you do, because... You we, watched a lot of TV. Yeah, we do not. And we watched a lot of TV in the 90s, and this is, was not a thing. Uh, the other thing is, in the first season of this, Portia de Rossi, pre-Ally McBeal, starred as uh, Nick Frino's love interest. Meow. Fellow teacher, I assume. And uh, one of the recurring characters uh, was Mila Kunis, who was young and therefore, I assume, one of the students that this licensed teacher tried to teach at some point. <laughs> We're so informed about this. I show. have read. I have read <laughs> the Wikipedia article for this. Uh, uh, most of the information is not there. I, I looked up Mila Kunis's Wikipedia article, yeah. in which it said she played some character five episodes. Oh. I have to assume it was a student. Um, you wrote a song of the week in here. I wrote a song of the week in here. We haven't done much of that. Yeah, lately. we really haven't. I think. The song of the week is something that really needs to reach out and grab us and touch us and pull us in uh, to the point where we want to talk about it. So this song perfectly encapsulates song of the week. This is too much by the Spice Girls. So I was listening to the Spice Girls last night and I haven't listened to too much in a while. And fuck, the second I started listening to that song, just those first two notes of the song just hit me hard and brought me right back in, right back into the 90s. Fuck, you gotta listen to this song if you haven't listened to it in a while, because you gotta spice up your life. Every boy and every girl, people of the world. I'm getting into a different song here, but you know what? Just listen to some Spice Girls, guys. We haven't talked about them too much lately, but start with too much. All right, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about Seinfeld, a little bit about The Simpsons, because 
And this week on, we're going to do both because they're both worth talking about. Yeah, neither are perfect episodes, especially The Simpsons, but they are, you've summed it up perfectly. They are both worth talking about. So uh, the episode of Seinfeld is The Maid, which is the 175th episode of Seinfeld. And one of the last three, I think. Yeah, 19th episode of the ninth and final season. So the plot for this one is Jerry hires a maid, Cindy, whom he then starts sleeping with. Elaine discovers she has 57 messages on her answering machine when Kramer attempts to send her a fax. George tries to get a nickname, T-Bone, but a co-worker gets it instead. George tries reasoning with the new T-Bone to get his nickname. When he walks into the meeting room carrying a banana, his boss names him Coco since George was flailing around like a monkey when he was talking to the new (laughs) T-Bone. I love how frustrated George got about the whole nickname thing. Oh yeah, it is losing his marbles. Yeah, one of the more noteworthy things that I think is worth mentioning is uh, something we've talked about, about the 90s. And this episode featured the New York area code 646. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because of the saturation of the 212 area code. Yep. Like we had here with things like 416, 905, uh, branching off into 289. Mm-hmm. Elaine changes her phone number to one of the new 646 numbers and then is seen by an outsider, which is, I feel like, something we kind of felt about 289 numbers in the in the early days. I, I'm not sure I agree with that only because my first interaction with 289 numbers was as cell phone numbers. So that didn't, it It, didn't really seem like much of a divide because there was already such a divide between landlines and cell phones. But I think, I don't know. I think had we been in that fickle Seinfeld-esque dating age in the late nineties, something like a 289 number would have kind of rubbed us the wrong way. I'd be, I mean, I don't know you, but for me, be like, oh, you're new here, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. That's uh, that's a lie. All right. What was happening on The Simpsons? The Simpsons. We have episode something. Episode 23 of season nine, King of the Hill. This is the one where Homer climbs the murder horn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Episode overall. Yeah. But Simpsons is kind of beginning its decline. What I really wanted to mention about this episode is the uh, uh, the power sauce people that homer gets sponsored by oh, brad yeah. neal yeah you know that brad was voiced by brendan fraser really yeah no i didn't know that i didn't know that either i love the whole power sauce bit though it is it's pretty good and i love it even more knowing that half of that duo was brendan fraser brendan fraser of the mummy not the new mummy exactly uh good stuff um let's move on to let's, our spotlight let's shine and our I'm, spotlight I'm gonna... like 20th century fox on that big ass sign we are definitely padding for time do you remember what the spotlight is collectibles oh yeah that's right yeah we're okay, gonna good. talk about stuff like that you take it away when i was a kid in the 90s collectibles were kind of everything so for me it started with baseball and hockey cards and then in elementary school we got into crazy bones oh, oh sorry hogs came first then yep. crazy bones then pokemon cards so now as an adult i have All of these things that I collected as a kid, some of which I played with, like the Crazy Bones and the Pokemon cards, many of which are in excellent condition, all of which are worth absolutely nothing. And this is because the 90s were a time when the the collectible and the term collectible or, you know, special edition, limited edition was being pushed out there to sell product with kind of the the hope and almost the promise that it would be worth value later on. Yeah, that's something I remember hearing about, like with with my toys. It's, you know, if if you, I mean, obviously we were a kid, so we were open air toys, but keep it in good condition or especially cards and stuff 
like that. It'll be worth something. It's going to be worth. Yeah, that sentence right there. It'll be worth something someday. The heaping load of shit. That is so true. And I think that's because prior to the 90s, collectibles were kind of random. You never knew what was going to become something that's worth money. Baseball cards, Star Wars toys, who knows what. These are all things that were children's toys, essentially, that eventually through scarcity, through desire for getting them, became something that was worth a fuck ton of money. Well, I think that that's exactly it. Value comes from scarcity. Like, yeah. it's, it's supply and demand. So the, the, all the, like, I have thousands of baseball cards. So did a lot of kids. There was so much supply. There's like, I'm not going to go out and buy 90s baseball cards. I don't have them all, but I have a shitload of them and I'm the market for them. Like kids now don't care about baseball cards from the 90s. And if they wanted to, you can go buy someone's whole collection for $14 and a stick of gum. Like no one cares. Yeah. And and then it's led to people being kind of creative with uh, with their collectible items to make them more appealing mm-hmm. and to make them more likely to have value. Now we have things like steelbooks, uh, big tin DVD cases that are, are supposed to be more limited edition. I bet if they were to make like baseball cards more valuable now, your Mark McGuire card would come with like a syringe full of steroids. Muscle milk, HGH. Exactly. And that's not to say that there aren't collectibles. There are, but you have to factor in the scarcity. So a game like Magic the Gathering, where not only are some cards scarce just because there weren't many in you know certain sets that were made, but they also factor in, like, there's a whole game behind it. So with baseball cards, they're nice to look at and that's it. But with something like Magic, cards are, they have enough formats of this game where you can always play with older cards and the way that they interact with brand new cards can be interesting and affect the value of them. So there are certain things like that that, you know, can harbor a lot of value. But for the most part, if you had like a Transformer that was a collectible edition, maybe it's worth something, maybe not. And I think the only value you'd really find is maybe that collector who wants it for their collection. It, yeah. Otherwise... It's not something that you can walk down the street like, hey, guys, check out my Optimus Prime. Well, like if, if 50 of them are listed on eBay for 100 bucks a pop and none of them are selling, what are they worth? Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Although I would certainly like a, a nice Optimus Prime. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, long story short, I have a lot of shit that's worth nothing. That's I... what we're getting. <laughs> yeah. I am one Charizard short from having a full base set of Pokemon cards. And fuck. One day, one day, I've been saying this for 15 years, but one day I will complete that set and I will have all of the base set. It's important to have dreams. Now, I think uh, I think it's about time that we be a little thankful this week. Oh, yeah. And we thank our, our sponsor. And let's uh, this week. Uh, this week, the podcast is brought to you by Childhood Violence. Take it oh, away. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper. You can sock all day and bop all night. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper. More fun than a pillow fight. Blow them up, put your hand inside, get ready to have the time of your life. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper. Sock them once and bop them twice. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper. Soccer boppers. More fun than a pillow fight. fight. My big time toys. Wow.
That brings back memories. That was a really, it's a really catchy jingle. It certainly is. Eventually, we're going to have to talk about like jingles because those were a huge thing. Especially for us growing up in a border town with obviously with the States, we got a lot of US jingles. Oh. There are so many Selino and Barnes. They're your injury attorneys. Call 854-2020 or 888-8888 since they changed Basically their phone just number. Basically mash eight. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Um, there, there's a something bunch. Something call eight. Uh, Shatner, Shatner did one for uh, one of those ambulance chaser attorneys in the States. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I never saw that one. Oh, maybe that'll be a sponsor next episode. Yeah. Um, I love jingles. Thing. Yeah, jingles were You such know who a has a really thing. good one? Mighty Taco. Oh, Mighty Taco. Mighty Taco. Mighty Taco. Hit us up. Oh, yeah. We, we love will, tacos. We will sponsor you, and we will accept tacos in form of payment. Absolutely. Actually, anyone out there, if you make a mean taco, we uh, $10 sponsor is now $10 and or delicious taco yeah. sponsorship. Yeah, one taco, At least one taco each. One taco each, and you have to find a way to get it to us in a way that it remains delicious also, I and believe, safe. I believe we both prefer soft shell. Yep, I'm a soft shell taco kind of guy. I but am now, too. If, you, if your taco needs to be hard... You know, tell us why, and we can I'm be interested. open to it. I'm interested. This is now a sponsor. This is now a podcast about tacos. Mm. All right. As always, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. Uh, if you would like to be a $10 and or taco sponsor, drop us a line, stuckinthe90spodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, we are stuckinthe90spodcast. Yeah. On Twitter, SIT90s. For the most part, we tweet and Instagram the same things. Yeah, so follow us on both, but you really only have to follow us on one. But you have to. Do it now. Do it. Do, yeah. what, do oh, it now. You know what? Like and subscribe to the podcast. That's something we don't That's say. A, that is a thing you should do. Yeah. That like, would be neat. Yeah, subscribe. Leave us a rating. Do leave something. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends. Only, tell your enemies. Only five stars. Yeah, if five stars. If you're thinking less than five stars, think again. And then <laughs> this is mildly threatening end to the episode. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We love you guys. You do whatever you want, especially if it helps us out. Yeah, we feel bad but about you the know threats. What? Help yourself out. Eat a taco. Eat a taco. Listen to the podcast in a park. It's fucking getting nice there's, out. I, I love that this has just happened. I just remembered there's a guy who commented on our Facebook that his routine when we drop a podcast is to go to Taco Bell order i think it's like a crunchwrap supreme or something like that and listen to the show that's fucking beautiful isn't it i love it it's yeah. important to do things that make your heart happy yeah and we hope we can bring a little bit of joy into your life especially if you're eating tacos burritos really any food hey cinco de mayo's coming up have some uh i love lime so much yeah i'm into lime this is Let us know lime what you think about lime. and or taco related podcast send us your thoughts yeah <laughs> guys have a great week and you know what we're going to try to as well. But for now, the, the podcast, podcast is, is now, now tacos. Over. Oh.